Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, May 19th, so we're talking about energy and industrials. I'm joined by Motley Fool analyst Taylor Muckerman, and we're going to be talking about a possible Royal Dutch Shell spinoff and scores of energy bankruptcies. But first, Taylor, why are Canadian wildfires actually affecting oil production? Well, there's a lot of oil production in Canada, shockingly enough. Um, yeah, these fires closing in on over 700,000 acres of destruction. Um, a lot of homes d- destroyed, businesses destroyed, families displaced. Um, originally, you didn't see much oil disruption, but this has been going on since the beginning of the month. And now it's they're, they're looking at 1.2 million barrels a day of production taken offline. Wow. Which is... That's a lot. That's a lot. So that's, the U.S. consumes fifteen or sixteen. Yes. So I mean, that's basically the overhang that the world was seeing right. uh, taken offline just like that. So when you see these oil prices climbing as they have been the last couple of weeks, might not necessarily be an honest representation of what's going on in the market. Right. Because um, you've got not only these wildfires knocking one point two million barrels a day of Canadian oil offline. But Nigeria's got about half a million barrels a day of disruption right now. Uh, Venezuela's losing production. So uh, you're seeing some one-off instances here where this production is going to come back online. Canada thought it was going to bring back a million barrels of oil sands oil back online. Um, but the fires have reversed course back towards the oil field. So um Nothing is necessarily in danger, but they've they've shut down the production and they've evac. A lot of people have been evacuated. Uh, Suncor evacuated eight thousand more folks um, earlier this week. Is this like throwing people on helicopters or like what? I'm, I'm not sure how they're getting out, but they're, That's they're a gone. A yeah. lot of people, yeah. So they're they're keeping like some mandatory personnel there just to make sure that the the fire prevention mechanisms that are in place at these production plants and with Enbridge at their oil terminating facility, um, which is one of the largest in the area. So the fire reverse course, I believe I saw was with one within one kilometer of Enbridge's, uh, what is this, the Cheatram oil sands terminal. Mm-hmm. Um, so big deal. Um, they say the oil is still running through the pipelines, but um, they have a limited amount of personnel on site. Wow. Yeah. So good, good time. Deal. Good time for a low-cost Canadian vacation. Uh, well, yeah, I guess if you <laughs> no, uh, because everyone the airlines are actually doing the right thing, and they were actually offering free airline travel to families that were having to be evacuated wow. from their homes as they should. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Do you um, really quick just before we move on? Um, you know, oil. You know, early this year touched down at twenty-seven bucks a barrel. Now it's in the high forties. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to me. You know, given that we had this, you know. One, two, two and a half million barrel uh, oversupply. It that wasn't pricing in anything like this, and everybody the whole time, you know, over the last year was like, you know, this is not pricing in any kind of disruption at all. Um, I guess you know, in a minor way, the chickens are kind of coming home to roost. Yeah, well, when the oil prices were above a hundred bucks in 2013, 2012, you saw a lot of Middle East disruption, and nothing really happened to oil prices because. it, there was just so much oil being produced. People were just giddy with how much was going on. So, whenever you see oil prices react to things like this, you can maybe see that things are starting to normalize. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's tough to see something like this coming. Like seven hundred thousand acres destroyed from a wildfire. Right. It's yeah. Pretty crazy. Not cannot predict that. No. Um, so moving on to our uh, a larger story. Um, 
actually in terms of just investing takeaways um shell uh, royal dutch shell um bought british gas you know as you me and tyler crow talked about multiple times yep. uh for 70 billion dollars mostly a natural gas producer it uh kind of shifted royal dutch shells you know product mix and everything yeah they had a lot of offshore operations yeah and uh, now they're talking about spinning off forty billion dollars in assets. Yeah, so almost a reversal, of course. If you look at forty billion versus the seventy, I mean, billion did you kind of roll your eyes and shrug at this like I did? Like, it was a chuckle. It wasn't. Yeah. A, it wasn't a shrug. It was more of a chuckle. Um, they, and they're just complaining about the balance sheet. Like we yeah. just got too much debt now. Which they do. Uh, you've seen it go from forty three point eight billion. First in total quarter. liabilities. Uh, yes, in in uh, debt from the first quarter of 2015 to now around 81 billion dollars in the first quarter. So of it 2016. doubled. Yes. Yeah. Um, and cash flow is not doing the same. It's re- going in reverse order. So they're they're losing cash flow. They're they're picking up debt. So they're trying to figure things out. They've been trying. They've been talking about trying to sell some assets, but. Um, We've seen Halliburton. They tried to sell some assets to merge with Baker Hughes, and it's just not the right time I, for if you, if you're a struggling small producer or something, there's a chance you're going to get bought out because you even we're re- talking forty billion dollars, and that's a big acquisition for anybody, right? And that's what they're debating because they're like, okay, we're going to either going to sell these things, or we actually might even be willing to spin these off into a baby shell, yeah, an IPO, right. yeah. Like it, what? <laughs> is there a precedent for that? They've done it before. I can't remember. The, it was. In the last few years, um, well, they spun off their midstream assets. Right, yeah, I knew it was that. much smaller than this. Right, but um, they so they've done it, but um, it, I don't know if it's something that they're necessarily. That's probably not their type A. That's not their choice. Like that's not mm-hmm. their number one option. Um, but if it needs to happen, they I've seen one suggestion that it could happen within twelve months. Wow. Do you um this even reminded me of um you know like oh we regret doing this or mm-hmm. got too much debt or something. Do you remember when the oil downturn first started and Whiting Petroleum was like, Oh, we're gonna put ourselves up for sale? Yeah. And like nobody No, they tried several times. Yeah, they're just like <laughs> begging to be bought. I mean, maybe that was them realizing what was to come. Who knows? Right. Maybe they had a better crystal ball than everybody else, but yeah. I, I haven't actually followed up with them, so I don't know. Their stock's just down. They're yeah, hanging out. They're Maybe hanging it's a buy out. now. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Maybe Shell will buy them and still, once yeah. they spin off $40 billion worth of assets. The um, the other little you know side note to the announcement that the Shell made was uh, they're talking about uh, throwing they're gonna, their CapEx budget this year is like $1.7 billion or something, and they're planning on putting a chunk of that into uh, alternative energy investments. They did not give any specifics other than the name, which is New Energies. Yeah. Um, think they're going to buy solar something? I don't know. Um, that's not a lot of money on a global scale for renewable energy, so maybe it's just a small bet. But um, I don't think, you know, not a, not a public U.S. traded solar company. No. Right. Yeah. yeah, no way. Cool. So, uh, moving on, we got a bunch of news lately. Um, and it's probably been a long time coming, but yes. uh, bankruptcies. Yeah, the bankruptcy court is doing a lot of work. These They've days. been busy. They're making some money. They've been busy. So it was. Uh, who was first? Was it Sandridge or Ultra? Um, Ultra Petroleum was, I believe, a, maybe a couple weeks ago. Okay, I don't remember the exact date, but yeah, that was that was a really big company several years ago. Uh, mostly East Coast operations, natural gas predominantly. Um, despite the name petroleum, it was mostly natural gas. Um, Were they just a high cost producer? Did they just fly too close to the sun and take on a bunch of debt, and now they're doomed? Or yeah, what? they were part of that early land grab that Chesapeake and Sandridge 
in the early 2000s. I cannot they believe all, Chesapeake all, is hanging out. By I know the way. they're yeah they're doing a lot better than what most people would have expected. Do you think that's because they just have so much stuff that they have more wiggle room, like kind of a too big to fail kind of a we can sell this little thing that we don't care about. They are very diversified. You got that right. Um, and they have done some sales. Um, and I think some of their creditors have been a little bit more lenient with them, uh, maybe doing some restructuring of individual. So not bankruptcy style mm-hmm. restructuring, but um, they've, they've gotten not handouts, but something along the lines of, hey, right. we're going to give you a little bit longer leash um, if you can sell some things, which they've been able to successfully do. So, um, a lot better situation than I probably would have expected. Two Why do you years think this. Chesapeake has been so successful selling things, but Shell? I mean, we're like sitting here giggling about them selling yeah. some of these assets. And it's like, ha, yeah, right. Well, I think just the sheer size of what Shell would need to sell, and um, Chesapeake, to his credit, Aubrey McClendon. He he knew where and when to buy, know where and what to buy. Maybe not when, but knew where and what to buy. So right. they had some good assets. Okay. So um, a lot of reserves, low yeah, cost reserves. Right. They're in the they're natural gas, oil. They had a lot of it, and um, and so they were able to kind of pick and choose. Not only they weren't they weren't just going to sell out of an entire region. They could kind of pick and choose around the United States what they wanted to to, to shed and. They've been able to raise cash as a result. Got it. So um, then came uh, was it Sandridge then Lynn Sandridge was that? Uh, no, I think I think it was Lynn and Sandridge. I feel like just reported. Okay, yeah. So um, Sandridge was the latest. Lynn, they. I mean, even at the end of last year, they had a negative equity value mm-hmm. on the balance sheet. Yeah. Um, so they, I, I was looking at their production costs a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, they just took on too much debt, man. Yeah, that was. I mean, they were one of the first. Production MLPs, mm-hmm. and so they they had to they had to just keep on taking on debt in order to continue driving that distribution higher because that's what everybody was investing in them for was distribution growth because the shares weren't going anywhere, um, and they had to keep drilling to, in order right. to produce that cash flow to service the debt and the and the distribution. So um, it was yeah it was a snowball, and they they got it way out ahead of themselves. Yeah, and it's a sad thing because what distinguished them from the other MLP that we're going to mention in a minute, Brightburn, was they actually kind of went out and found the oil, as right. opposed to Brightburn, which just bought slightly declined wells mm-hmm. from other players and just milked it for cash. Yeah, which you know, arguably maybe that was the wrong move because producing it, drilling, finding it, all that is more costly than you know you see a lot of these enhanced oil recovery techniques where mm-hmm. if that's all you're doing you can kind of specialize in that whereas if you're going out exploring and producing right. there's added cost and there's there's potentially greater mistakes do you uh in your opinion is that why denbury is a dnr is holding up okay they just go in there and throwing some carbon into the ground uh, yeah carbon dioxide enhanced ground water flooding carbon dioxide um they refract these wells um, with a greater degree of sand and and pressure, so if that's your specialty, Devon Energy is very good at that's enhanced right. oil recovery. Yeah. Um, so if you can go back in, is they're leaving a lot of oil in the ground, um, and not not just one or two companies, but everybody is leaving a lot of oil in the ground. So if you can figure out how to go extract it and avoid the cost and time to drill, then you're eliminating a lot of cost out of your out of your overhead. Were you surprised when uh, Brightburn, which declared on Monday, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, 
body's not even cold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't let them get cold. We don't let them get cold. Um, well, and they won't. I mean, somebody else is going to get these assets. Like, they're still producing. They took yeah. out $75 million in debtor and possession financing. I mean, the, the wells are going to still keep going. Yeah, that's uh, that, yeah. Sandridge. Same said with all They're going to be able to right? produce um, through this restructuring, and they're going to concentrate on Oklahoma and Colorado projects. Um, they're not going. They don't plan on laying anybody off. Brightburn. I don't know about layoffs in their case, but yeah, they plan on operating right through this refinancing. It was just so surprising to me because you looked at you look at the balance sheets of these guys at the end of last year, um, and they just declared so they didn't really bother you know putting out quarterly reports just yet. Yeah. But um, uh, Brightburn had four point nine billion in assets and three point five billion in liabilities, so that leaves one point four billion in equity as of December thirty first, which is just just five months ago. Yeah. And uh, Lynn was up there; they had ten billion in assets and ten point two five billion in liabilities. I mean, it was that's that I've was seen, the largest. I've seen worse. Lynn was the largest bankruptcy since the oil downturn started since yeah, Thanksgiving twenty fourteen. Yeah. yeah, wow. Um, I'm just I'm kind of surprised. I don't know if Brightburn's cash flow is just so bad or what. I was just surprised just from a balance sheet yeah. perspective that they declared. Well, as an energy producer, cash flow is Name it's the, the lifeblood. So, yeah. Um, and I think if oil prices hadn't been, if they had still been in the $25, $35 range, I don't know if creditors would have been as friendly as they've been with mm-hmm. these companies because maybe they have a little bit of faith that if if they just give them a little bit more time, so you think we oil would, could come back? You to think 50 we'd be having this, this bankruptcy conversation about these names months ago had oil not come back a little bit? Yeah, we've seen we've seen this these bankruptcies take place, but I, I don't know if they would have the restructuring capabilities. Oh, they, I see. So they could have waited this long to to go bankrupt, but I don't know if they would be able to operate through the through the bankruptcy restructuring because I don't know if creditors would would have given them like I said a, not necessarily a leash, but they wouldn't have just yeah given them the needle and said, "Sorry, we're putting you down." So what do you think dragged down uh, Sandridge? Um Sandridge Again, not enough cash flow, a race to produce, um, and this has been a long time coming. These shares were eighty dollars a share in two thousand eight. They're like two cents now. Yeah. Um, so if you look at the chart, even since two thousand twelve, it's just a steady decline until twenty fourteen, and it's a much steeper, Which steeper is really, yeah. slot. Yeah. So I to pinpoint it one exact thing of why it's going bankrupt, it's a little tough. I think it's just it, it was happening slowly. And then it happened quickly. Do you um? So the key takeaway that's slightly more positive is uh, I'm seem to getting here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, investors looking to kind of get dip a toe back into the oil game. You know, it's come back a little bit. Where, yeah. Um, they're about oil price is about to give fifty bucks a high five. Which yeah, it's almost eighty percent up since the twenty five yeah dollar range. Um, it seems to me like these uh, these names that have stuck around, like the the um, oh, Devon, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Uh, Denver and stuff. It seems like the guys that have waited this out that can go in there and specialize and make strong use of these assets are are a decent way to go. That's true, but they've also they've also moved quite a bit since February in terms of price appreciation. So don't get ahead of yourself because um, okay. the markets might have. Um, so if you want to dip in a little bit, like you said, dip in is probably the best way to go right now um, because who's to say that these oil prices aren't going to fall right back once Canada brings 1.2 million more barrels on a day back to what they were originally um, producing before these fires started in early May. So um, we're looking at, you know, 
some potential oversupply again in the very near future. Are there any subsectors that you like right now before we head out? Um, subsectors like pipelines or yeah, something. Yeah, you know. I, that I would stick with the pipelines. Just um, not necessarily because I I'm in love with them, but if you want to invest in energy, um, the bigger the bigger pipelines that dealing in natural gas because uh, it's cheap, but we continue to use it. So the pipe right. the pipelines are full. Um, demand for natural gas isn't isn't expected to decline like demand for oil. So. Um, I like the pipelines. Uh, probably stay away from any producers under you know a certain market cap. You're looking at the big guys um, that can weather anything, and I would also steer away from shares that have popped significantly. Got it. Cool. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Taylor. Appreciate it. Have a good one. And that is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Taylor Markerman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.